Welcome to episode 20 of the Worship is Life podcast, where worship equals relationship and relationship is the purpose of life. I'm your producer, Taylor Marshall, and here's your host, Todd Marshall. Thank you, Taylor, and welcome, listeners. Yeah, can you believe it? Episode number 20. I know. 20 podcasts. 20 podcasts. So this is a very special episode. Um, I think back to our first 19 episodes, we were releasing them every week. I think the only one we, only week we missed is when we were in Pakistan. Mm-hmm. And now it's been a few weeks since our last release because we're going to be more of in a summer mode schedule here with your schedule being very full and my mm-hmm. schedule being going here and there. Mm-hmm. So we will uh, try to get as many out this summer as we can, but it'll definitely be less than what it was throughout uh, the fall and spring mm-hmm. here. But uh, yeah, I just want to uh, take this episode and just uh, share with our listeners here just uh, more about what's happening uh, in your life lately and moving forward and the same in me and our lives and our ministry and just let the people know, let our listeners know what kind of resources that we have to offer them to help and them and help people that they know. And so we're just going to take some time to do that. I've got an insight, a worship equals relationship insight that I want to share a little later on. Um, you know, this has been a crazy 12, 13, 14 months for all of us. We've all been having to adjust in how we've functioned, including ministry, which has impacted opportunities. Um, we've had new and unique opportunities because of it. I'm thankful that we're getting back to a little more, quote unquote, normalized things mm-hmm. here. And I'll share some of those things for me. Um, Taylor, you've been able to keep pretty full with the unique things that you have Done and also just you know with the with the different places that still were wanting your uh, type of ministry and corporate leading and certain th- events that were still going on and you were able to to tap into that um, things are starting to open up a little more now I know you just came off a great week down in Iowa mm-hmm. what uh, tell our listeners a little bit about that yeah I mean you just brushed over a couple things there I mean going back to I launched out full-time into traveling as a worship leader, musician, pop artist, January of 20, January 1st, 2020. And then six weeks later, COVID hit. So we had just, I had just kind of done a couple different events. COVID hit. So it was basically at home for like 10 weeks. Um, and something that came out of that, uh, was a good friend of ours, um, in Sioux Falls had been doing just a live stream, um, church service for on his laptop in his kitchen. And I remember just saying, Hey, are you interested in me sending you any, any, um, videos of me leading to add to your live stream? And he was totally open to it. We figured out a way to, to connect the pieces of a video to the live stream on the laptop. And then they started meeting in person and said, Hey, uh, are you willing to keep doing this? We love what's, what's happening here. Are you willing, I know it's weird, but are you willing to keep sending us videos even though we're in person? So I went down and I led in person in Sioux Falls at their church, um, uh, like the weekend of June 1st, 2020, um, when things opened up a little bit for South Dakota. And ever since then, I've been still sending videos every week. Um, just 
Yeah, just basically past a year anniversary of sending them videos every week, which is crazy. That is crazy. And so I've been going down there. It's kind of a cool thing that's developed. So I go down there four or five times a year, lead in person, um, connect with people, build relationship, even work with a small volunteer team that they've got there. Um, and then the other weeks I'm sending a video that I record in my studio with a white background, mix and master the audio, um, put all, edit all the lyrics for the songs on there. And what's cool about that is it's just me leading it. So I can plan songs. I can intentionally be spontaneous. I can follow the spirits leading. And then in the post-production, I can just edit whatever, wherever I felt let to go, I can edit the lyrics mm. and it's just kind of a seamless flowy thing, yeah. uh, which is really cool. Um, and then I, I export the video from final cut pro email it over, they download it and press play when they're ready to Mm -hmm. sing along. And it's like me, Hey church, welcome, stand, sing, I pray, read scripture. And, and it's been cool. It's been recommended by some other leaders in that state and some cool things. So, Hey, if you're out there and that's something you're looking for, I'd love to lead worship at your church. (laughs) Yeah. Or if you know pastors of small churches who uh, need help in that area, this is definitely a great resource for that. Yeah. The pastor of that congregation has been a great friend. Of ours. Matter of fact, uh, Taylor, you were born when I was on staff with him mm-hmm. in Wisconsin. Yeah, right. And um, so he's known you his your whole life. And uh, I speak there every year and they've been great partnerships, partners with us in mm-hmm. even in our ministry to Pakistan. And yeah. And uh, yeah, it's been cool. A couple of different churches have reached out and benefited from this resource too that I'm just making available. And uh, you think about the percentage there's so many churches and we think about the mega churches. It's such a small percentage of churches, right? And so how big of a percentage um, of churches is it that is struggling to get music put together or to find team members? And what does that look like? And so uh, I've told people this before. I'm not trying to hide this. I'm not trying to monopolize the small church market to make money on these worship videos, but, but what churches maybe for a season just are the pastor is just hurting to get this part of the service taken care of. So what does that look like? How can the tool that I'm creating be of use? So, um, feel free to to hit me up on my email, taylormarshallmusic at gmail.com. If that's something your church could benefit from, or you got some friends, but anyways, so that that's been a really cool thing that I do every week. I also teach, um, about 20 students every week. I teach piano, drums, bass, guitar, and voice lessons. Mm -hmm. So I teach 20 students a week and that's been a really great, um, consistent piece through COVID. It's actually grown quite a bit through COVID, a lot of zoom lessons, some in-person lessons, um, as well as this podcast is something that has come up in the last year. So this is cool. Something that didn't used to exist and, uh, been producing this and I edit and mix and master this podcast. Um, so that's been a lot of fun. And so, yeah, so traveling has been really, I mean, pretty much since that June 1st weekend, 2020, when they had me, it's been pretty open and consistent since then, which has just been really cool and miraculous and amazing. Um, leading in churches, youth retreats, um, conferences, uh, a couple different churches that I partner with for annual events. That's been fun. And one of those churches is um, New Hope Church in Urbandale, which is in the Des Moines area in Iowa. And, uh, we do it in a live, well, they put on what's called the alive, um, the alive conference every year. And, uh, so that's been a lot of fun. I've been able to lead a team the last two years there. And this is a fun fact. Uh, we recorded some live music, uh, at the worship, um, times together as we were singing, you know, musical, musical worship. 
And uh, we just put out that EP. We've released a couple singles. That EP just came out on Monday. So that's, uh, I think, Monday or Wednesday. It's been a few days here. So that's super, yeah, Monday, because today is Thursday. Super exciting how yeah, that's, that's come together. Stuff, right? Yeah, there's two originals on there, one that I wrote with the youth team, one that another worship leader wrote, and then we covered a song called Champion by Bethel Music, and then there's kind of an opener spoken word that opened the whole conference mm-hmm. that goes into the song Let It Rain that everybody knows. And so it's a four-song EP that just came out, and we're really excited about that and mm-hmm. developing that community and songwriting culture. And um, So, yeah, if you're in the Des Moines area, come check out that conference in February. So anyways, I've just built a great relationship with that church through just the trusting the Lord and open doors through the last year and a half of traveling. And full circle, that's, what, that's where I was last week for this camp. And uh, they did something really cool. It was, it was an it was an all church spiritual emphasis week. So it was basically the vision was like, you know, our, our kids, our middle schoolers, our teenagers are getting camp every year. And it's this life changing week because of the set aside time and the, um, intentional time to sing together and to hear from the word together. So, I mean, why, what, what is it that prevents us from doing that for all ages Mm -hmm. of our church? Mm -hmm. And so they just went for it and they had, you know, I met with the worship pastor, um, who's in a different generation than I am. And we crafted, um, music sets for, um, younger generation and then an older song and then middle and just each set was kind of crafted to, to try to do our best, right. To, to meet the, um, to connect the dots between generations. Mm -hmm. And we had some different genre and all the diversity. So it was a lot of fun, um, and a powerful week and just came off that, um, and another church this weekend. So it's been, it's been good. Um, but yeah, powerful, powerful week. And it's even cool seeing in my personal life, some things, um, that I've just been chewing on even just since being back from Des Moines. Yeah. And we're going to, uh, swing back around, circle back around, uh, to some of that personal stuff for sure. Um, wow. So that's a mouthful. So it doesn't sound like there'd be any room for anything else, but you've got, uh, another big thing that's just launching here. Yeah. Right. You're better off this way. Tour has begun. So tell our listeners about that. Yeah. So I just released a new pop song like three weeks ago and, uh, it's available wherever you listen to music. Super excited about it. Been sitting on that song for man. Um, I think we finished the song, uh, like, like seriously, like six or seven months ago, mm. which is the longest I've ever, f- it's, that's the longest time I've ever had between a, a finished song and releasing the song. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's such a summer jam. It was like, we could release it in the fall or the winter or the spring, but it's like, if we can wait till summer. And so I would just been kind of waiting on it. It felt like a big release, even though it was just one song, wasn't sure. And so, um, some who are local here might know that last year we did what we called the second annual um, concert in the cul-de-sac in our home here. Mm-hmm. And we had about 80 friends and neighbors show up and did full production. And, and that was great. And I, I had put a lot of work into that and it was a solo show and it was just a one, a one off show and it was a ton of fun. But I was like, man, if this is an annual thing, then I'm going to start prepping for next year. And how can I maybe bring the show with, with all this work into it to some somewhere else as well, or more than one places. What if we book five shows or 10 shows? So it's kind of what it's turned into is the better off this way tour. And we're almost, um, we've been, I booked, um, seven dates coming into the summer and we just booked another show. So we're, um, we're, we're looking towards 
you know, maybe 10 dates on this tour and maybe more depending on how many more book as we go here. So that's been a lot of fun. It's featuring my new single as well as um, Never Leave the Room, which you listen to the instrumental version of that song every time you listen to this podcast. A um, couple songs from my um, You're Here album, like Run In and I Don't Need the Answer. And, um, and then uh, three unreleased songs that nobody's yeah. heard before. Yeah, I was at your first show just last Friday night, and I'm like, I've never heard one note of these no, songs. No, literally, yeah. Right <laughs> Which you guys are typically the first to hear stuff. So I know. It was kind of fun. Um, man, Goose, the drummer, really good friend of mine, his name is Matt Gusmer. Him and I have been writing, producing, um, engineering, mixing all of it together, and then he masters it too. It's just been a fun one-stop shop partnership for us, mm-hmm. as well as producing some other stuff for other artists and clients. And uh, we're touring together, so the show looks like him on drums, which he's got a light-up drum kit, and then me um, on a piano, uh, piano shell that we spent a lot of hours gutting, <laughs> and that was a fun fun thing that happened the last few months. And then I'm on guitar, and then or electric, and then acoustic, and then bass guitar, and so just kind of trying to do the one-man band thing with a full, you know, we've got full tracks, live drums, um, light automation. It's just been so much fun. Interactive videos. Yeah, right, interactive videos. And so, uh, and that's been a part of, you know, that's that's what my, it's funny, I was with um, uh, a friend, a pastor friend, um, when would that have been? Um, in the fall, it was like October or November of last year. And it was pitching the vision, which was very, a baby vision for what I'm doing now, which is crazy that we're here. And I'm looking at a graphic that says the better off this way tour with all my dates right here. And, um, it was just a baby vision trying to figure out what to do. And I had already a God deal lined up to get a sound system and was looking at getting some lighting and was just saying, Hey, this is the dream. This is the goal, but I'm going to have to get a hitch installed in my car and I'm going to have to get a little trailer. And that church just voluntarily, um, not even out of like budget or tithe money. They just like volunteer individual families came to de- came together and volunteered to help fund a trailer for me, which is the coolest thing. Um, and we're really excited to bring the show to that church this summer. It's going to be a lot of fun. So it's just cool seeing now, you know, how much a year, I even mentioned this in the show, how much can change in a year. Last year at Woodbury, I had to borrow all the production. This year, I own all of it, which is crazy. And Goose and I are just bringing our gear and putting it together and driving around in a more powerful vehicle that I now have and a trailer. And so it's just been a ton of fun. And um, and yeah, part of why you haven't heard those tunes is I've been, Goose and I have just been putting so many hours in together that we're over at his place, we're kind of finding these finished products. And then it's fun because like you got to kind of experience that, mm-hmm. that surprise feeling of like, uh, coming to a show and hearing something for the first time where you're used to hearing all of it. So that was kind of fun. And, and, uh, so anyways, we just had our first show in Brooklyn center last Friday. We'll be in Floyd, Iowa, doing a youth camp and a show, um, second week of July. And then July 18th, we'll be in Sioux Falls, July 23rd, Byron, Minnesota, which is near Rochester, August 18th, doing a youth group in Sox center. September 8th, youth group in Mankato. And then September 10th, if you're in the area, you're more than welcome to come to this. This is the one we'll be hosting at in Woodbury in mm-hmm. our in our cul-de-sac, the third annual, mm-hmm. which is crazy, third annual <laughs> concert in the cul-de-sac. Yeah. Excited for that. And we just booked a date um, in the Chippewa Falls, Eau Claire area. And we don't have an actual date for that, but we just booked a show and they're lining up the, the venue and the date for that, which is cool. So yeah, it's just been... It's crazy because the grass is always greener on the other side. 
life is always more glamorous um, in appearance than it really seems to be. And uh, this concept has just been unpacking. I was very afraid to even call it the Better Off This Way Tour because I didn't even know what it meant to me. And it seems like every day of my life right now, <laughs> it makes more sense to me why mm. it's called that way. Like mm. I felt the leading to call it that, mm. was insecure about the decision, which has a lot to do with the insecurities that I'm choosing to be better off without because it's just kind of a waste of mental space and overthinking and all that stuff. So the first line in the song is I've been overthinking lately can never get outside my head. So yeah, it's just been cool to see it coming together. And if I were to tell you what my dream of like the dream for my life is and, um, in my mission statement, kind of a thing, it's like, well, if you were to put together what Ben Rector and Phil Wickham are doing to lead worship at churches, do conferences, but then to take a pop show on the road every year, every other year, that would be the dream. Mm-hmm. And then to love on people wherever I, wherever I find myself in any of those environments, in the travel scene, the gas station, just, just love God, love people, right? The mm-hmm. purpose of life is relationship. That's what this podcast is about. So it's like, how can I do that through these avenues that make me come alive and I'm passionate about and in, in a way, it's so easy to feel like, well, the dream is 10 years off and maybe someday, but it's like, I'm technically doing everything I just talked about right, right now. Yeah. And what a crazy perspective shift. It's like, you could, you could, you could call it, you could spin it that way. I'm better off choosing to understand and enjoy every day right now because I'm doing what I love, even though it's not as big as it could be someday or whatever. Yeah. And what I want to emphasize with that too is the worship equals relationship. Relationship is the purpose right. of life. Right. And just encouraging our listeners, because what Taylor is describing is again that mysterious connection, that mysterious relational connection with God. Um, the work of God meets the work of man. Mm-hmm. Um, and that happens in the context of relationship. Um, you're listening to God, trusting that He is creator, redeemer, and helper. Mm-hmm. Then God gives vision. And then his vision includes, involves your working. And so the vision he gives, your work, and now, and when you think of his provision Mm -hmm. of the trailer, the lights, the sound, uh, Goose, the partner, Mm -hmm. um, yeah, it's just, uh, that's evidence of the mystery. That's when the mystery becomes reality. Yep. And um, our part is to acknowledge who God is, continually to welcome him into every conversation, mm-hmm. every interaction, every task. Um, and, and then we sit back and, well, we don't sit back, but, but we see what, well, when we do sit back and reflect, we see what has been produced and what is, what has happened. Work produces, that's right. a reality. Right. Work produces. But the other reality is unless the Lord builds the house, we work in vain. Yep. So what is what is the work what of God is tension. calling yeah. us to do and want us to do? It is a crazy and tension. And to be and I I can find myself just like rolling over in tension. Like, oh, what do I do with this tension? Because I feel the left side and the right side of mm-hmm. whatever that conversation is. Mm-hmm. Like what you just said, work of God meets the work of man and work produces. Because I worked my butt off for this tour, so it's like, well, is this in vain or is the Lord building the house? <laughs> right. And so mm-hmm. I think Something I don't think I know that something that I've learned is um, living in that tension and asking those questions, being aware of those difficult questions Mm -hmm. is kind of the sweet spot to be. If you're aware of the fact that, man, I don't want to do this without the Lord, but I want to sit on my butt and miss the opportunity. It's like that both and, which is not always the answer we're looking for. But if you can find the tension, um, sit in it and and be asking the right questions, you know, 
and again, the the better off this way concept is because I would sit there and overthink that to a crippling degree as opposed to moving forward and trusting that I'm aware of the tension. I don't want to go too far to one side or the other and then moving forward. Yeah. 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 Beautiful. So yeah, this, uh, again, this last season, uh, as far as, um, goes with, with me and our family mm-hmm. and our ministry, uh, the pivots that have happened, um, well, when I say family, I think right away of our six-month-old nephew slash grandson, mm-hmm. Zane, which has been just a huge blessing. We've talked a lot about that. If you haven't heard episode seven, the interview with my daughter, Kelsey, and her husband, Ben, going from infertility to parenthood, that's episode seven. That's still our episode with the most downloads. Yep, and check uh, it out. I encourage you to listen to that and pass that along. It's a big encouragement, especially for those who are trying to get pregnant right now. Yes. Um, so he's just uh, been a huge blessing in our lives and um, <clears throat> blessing to be able to live in the same area. Mm-hmm. And then just, uh, you know, lots of different um, shifts in ministry. You already mentioned the the development of this podcast that has happened. And then, of course, the, the ministry to Pakistan mm-hmm. that's gone on for over a year now happened just as a development of finding new ways um, for a year. All that ministry was just happening via technology, um, through conversations with leaders via technology, but then also actually teaching via technology in congregations over there and villages over there. And, um, and now, um, we've Taylor, you and I were just there a month ago. Mm-hmm. Amazing week. Uh, the last two episodes, 18 and 19, the first one was of our, uh, miraculous quote unquote escape. Uh, from Pakistan as we got a very short warning to catch the last flight before they shut the country down. And then episode 19 tells about the rest of the trip. So if you haven't listened to either one of those, those are great. Those are great listens as Mm -hmm. well. Um, We are seeing some normalcy come back, which has been great. I've got two Saturdays in a row where I'm teaching the Theology of Worship course for our Assemblies of God Minnesota School mm-hmm. of Ministry. So that's a really, that's just a really great time for me to be able to unpack all of this for people who are being trained to go into full-time ministry, fully credentialed. Um, so that's been really great. We've got um, conferences coming up uh, this summer. Um, that you, you can see uh, on my website schedule, all those resources, all those uh, mm-hmm. links will be um, in the notes following each episode. And so that's going to be really, really great. Um, our annual family camp, uh, our district denominational family camp, which is just huge every summer that did not happen at all last summer that's gearing up here in a couple of weeks and uh, so not only will I be overseeing and mentoring the team that will be leading there from North Central University but also I'll be doing a couple of breakouts afternoon breakouts for the attendees there so that's really exciting and then yeah just lots of conversations uh, happening of stuff uh, filling out the summer schedule and mm-hmm. gearing up for this fall yeah so really excited to see that happen. I do want to take just a few minutes here before we swing back around to some personal things and, um, and just share a biblical insight, a worship equals relationship biblical insight. Um, when I started to finally realize 
that the best one-word definition of worship, according to the scriptures, would be relationship, at least from my perspective. That gradually changed and shifted so much of my perspective with with many, many things regarding scripture, the way I looked at stories in scripture, the way I looked at some things that could feel confusing about God's nature in scripture, um, even the language that we use, so many different words that we would typically use. Um, I just found that there were other words that were much more relational and were much more effective, especially in talking to people who are not there in putting their trust in God, um, just caused me to shift in ways that I feel are just more effective in building bridges and not putting up walls. And um, so one of the stories that I now look at completely differently, looking through this lens, is the story of Mary and Martha. And in particular, when Martha invites Jesus and the disciples over for a meal to her home. So Mary and Martha, of course, are the sisters of Lazarus, who Jesus is close to this family. Um, I'm sure most, if not all, of our listeners are familiar with uh, Jesus raising Lazarus from the dead and all that happens in his interaction with Mary and Martha there. But the story of the dinner in their home, this comes from Luke 10. And so Martha invites Jesus and the disciples over for dinner. So the story says that Martha is, is busy with preparations. Um, and then it says that Mary is sitting at Jesus' feet. So Martha is serving. Mary is sitting, taking in the relational dynamic around Jesus and the disciples by just being there, listening, interacting. And all of a sudden, Martha comes to Jesus and says, Lord, don't you care that I serve alone? Tell my sister to come help me. And Jesus says, Martha, Martha, you are worried and upset about many things. But Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken from her. So this is a great scene with a with a with some big lessons in it, and we we did this scene in our passion play for years, and it was just it was just always a favorite scene. We had a song that I took an original song and changed the words for Martha to be a, a song that she could sing to Jesus, and she learns the lesson. But even in that, even though I was seeing some different insights in that, it still shifted even more as I began to look through this lens of relationship. Because in my growing up uh, years, all in all my life, you know, first 50, however many years, um, I was just always taught and then always looked at the passage as... Mary is sitting at Jesus' feet. Martha is busy getting dinner ready. And Jesus is praising or affirming what Mary 
is doing and scolding what Martha is doing. And it's so easy to to see how that seems like the main lesson when you just look at the surface. But then as I began to study worship even more intensely over these last several years, um, and I was looking at the definition of the word worship and, and in particular how the word, what words in the original text are translated into the word worship in our Bible. And there's two different words. There's the word proskuneo, which is a Greek word, but also has the parallel Hebrew Aramaic word, and that means to bow. And then there's the word latruo, which is a Greek word, but it also has the parallel Hebrew and Aramaic word. And that word means to serve. And in our scripture, in our Bible, in the English, both of those words are translated into the word worship. Now, the word uh, proskuneo for bowing is almost always translated into the word worship, although sometimes it just literally says bow. The word serve is occasionally translated into the word worship, most often in the English word serve. But as I read this story, after looking at that, I'm thinking, wait a minute. What Mary is doing we call worship, or the Bible calls worship, I should say. And what Martha is doing, the Bible calls worship. Bowing before the Lord is worship. Serving before the Lord is worship. So all of a sudden I'm like, okay, Jesus is not scolding Martha for worshiping. He's not reprimanding her for serving. What is, the, what is the deeper message behind this story? And it's relationship. It's relationship. Because this is what can so easily happen to all of us. So here's another way I, I, I unpacked this worship equals relationship thing that, that is directly tied to this story, which is directly applicable to each one of us. So worship equals relationship. Relationship requires engagement. If there's going to be a relationship. There's got to be engagement. Engagement implies doing. If there's going to be engagement, there's going to be doing. So serving is a part of it. Taylor, everything that you were describing in what you are doing mm-hmm. is in the form of serving, but that serving it involves doing all mm-hmm. that prep, all that work that's doing, doing, doing. So, so what's the difference? So what is it? What, what it, it's, it's where, it's where our focus is. It's where our focus is. So here is the key. Our tendency is to get over-focused on the doing. And what happens when we get over-focused on the doing is the focus shifts to self. What did Jesus say to Martha? He said, Martha, Martha, you are worried and upset about many things. Mm -hmm. Now, it doesn't specifically unpack that, 
But we could all put ourselves in her position and imagine the kinds of dynamics she was upset about, that she was worried about. Probably her reputation, how she looks as a host, uh, having things ready, having things ready in time, having things ready well. Um, so it looks like she's doing her what's expected of her. Those are all self-focused dynamics. And as soon as the focus becomes too much on self, then we hinder intimacy of relationship. And Taylor, we've been talking about the word tension, and this is a huge tension Mm -hmm. in our life, a huge ongoing nonstop tension in our life because doing has to be a part of serving of the relationship. It has Mm -hmm. to be. It has to be. But because doing is what we can control and because doing is what shows results and shows production, then it's so easy to get over-focused on the doing, which puts the focus on self. Um, And so the goal, of course, like you mentioned, Taylor, is for the doing to flow out of relationship. Mm -hmm. That's the goal. That's what we always want to be, all of us want to be growing in each day and growing towards. So here's interesting. It could have been the opposite. When you look through the lens of relationship, Mm. that story could have been the opposite. Yeah, right. Like Martha could have been serving fully out of relationship and Mary could have been sitting just because she's lazy. Apathetic, selfish, (laughs) right, yeah, right, right. So so it could have been... And he knows their heart, so it could have very well just gone the other way. Exactly, it could have gone the other way, but it didn't because Mary was connected relationally and Martha was focused on self. But yeah, it could have... So because what happens is we put the focus on the action. Whether the action is bowing or whether the action is serving. They are both something we do, and our tendency is to put the emphasis on the action as opposed to the relational dynamic that the action Mm -hmm. is connected to. Same thing when we talk about what we call a sin. We tend to put the focus on the act as opposed to the relational dynamic that's connected to the act, which is why I've chosen to begin to start to use the word offense instead of the word sin, because sin literally means offense with self at the center, and offense is just automatically a word that screams relationship. Mm-hmm. And the deed is, of course, connected to it, but it's a, not about the deed specifically. It's about the relational dynamic that the deed is attached to. So that's just a, a little biblical insight that, I don't know, came to me four or five years ago, probably when I saw it. And it just blew me away when I saw it. And I'm like, God, it's, it's just all comes back to relationship. Help us, help us, yeah. help us. Because as we stay connected relationally with God, then that's what helps us stay connected to relationship with others. That's so good. I, uh, whether you know me personally or maybe you've picked up on this as I've been talking through the podcast, I find it so easily to do the whole pendulum swing thing, mm-hmm. um, which is why I was talking about living in the tension is so important. Um, and I mentioned earlier the reality of feeling both sides equally and feeling like one of them needs to triumph over the other to have some resolve and peace about it. But the reality is living in the tension. So it's so crazy to me, that story that really, that really just stuck out to me. What you said about, it could have just been the other way. Mm -hmm. Well, 
so, well, it, it kind of had to go one way or the other, right, for this story. And so it's like, well, it went this way, so we're finding ourselves saying, um, how should I say this? I think when we hear that story, we pendulum swing towards, okay, doing is wrong. Mm. You know what I mean? That's the, that's why looking at this through the lens of relationship, you have to, because you can't look at it as, well, doing is wrong. The doing like Martha was doing. Um, but if it was, let's just say the, it was the other way that Martha had the right heart and what she was doing was right. And then, you know, Mary was being kind of lazy and everything. And Jesus calls out Mary, like you should be helping out Martha. Let's say that's how it went. And it very could, very well could have. Well, now we're looking at sitting in the Lord's presence as wrong because the pendulum swing goes mm-hmm. to doing is right. Mm-hmm. And it's just so crazy how I just, I just find, you know, I know that I'm not the only pendulum swinger. I think it's part of being human. It's like, man, we we're looking for consistency, for peace, for something to, um, to trust, to rely on as a found, or like this, this thing that's approaching me is cloudy and it needs to go to one side or the other so I can keep moving forward. And when it's something that sits in the middle and what are the odds that this is something that should be sitting in the middle that we just, Oh, look, Jesus pointed to this side. So I, I can justify shoving it to the right side or Mm -hmm. to the left side or whatever. And I'm not even using political terms left and right. I'm just saying like one option or the other, yet we have to sit in the middle of the tension. Yeah. It's crazy to me. It is. It is crazy. It's mystery and it's reality and it's a wonderful adventure. It's a wonderful adventure. So Taylor, you shared earlier some, uh, a few little personal things mm-hmm. in there. Um, and then you also have, you know, been going through your own journey and, uh, alluded to some other personal things that you're walking through. So mm-hmm. are there one or two or things, two of those things you'd like to share with our listeners and challenge and encourage them? Yeah, I wasn't, I've got a couple things jotted down here and I wasn't going to say this piece, but, um, if you live somewhere else in the country and you can't make it to one of my shows, something that I share, um, in the show is, um, you know, talking about just the complexity of the last year, the complexity of life, man, I, this is, uh, a friend of mine and pastor told me a couple of years ago, adulting is more of picking between two good things or two bad things <laughs> and less of, it's less of, okay, which one's right and which one's wrong? You know, which one's good, which one's evil? It's like, okay, adulting is like these hard decisions, these complexities living in the tension. So I kind of address that and just um, the complexity of life. And I let people know that people might not know that when I walk into a room, I feel insecure about what I might be saying or who I'm impressing or how I look. Or when I'm at a show, I'm thinking a lot about the insecurity of my intonation and feeling insecure as a vocalist because I was a, a musician all my life and now I'm trying to sing and be a front man, but I'm just a worship leader, all these thoughts. And so, um, I, I kind of conceptually address the fact that like I've been learning, like I said earlier, the better off this way concept is giving me permission to dismiss those things, uh, and not feel overwhelmed by them. But, but then there's also a lot of difficult things that come up in life, um, like healing and growing and confrontation. I've learned a lot about healthy confrontation the last year. And, um, it's really easy when I feel that rising to the surface, Oh, I got to address this with a family member or a friend and I don't want to to get in the car, roll the windows down and blast better off this way. And just like, no, I'm better off without all that tension in my life. Well, the point is not saying you're better off without problems in your life because I'm learning there's still healthy ways to acknowledge things, to process things, to heal from things 
And a lot of the times that takes action, again, the doing, right? Mm -hmm. The confrontation. And, uh, but, um, circling back, there's just a ton of things that I've found that I'm just hanging on to that I don't need to be. So, so at this camp last week in Des Moines, um, the, the evangelist that came in and spoke, I mean, he spoke literally, um, nine times in six days. It was unbelievable. His name is Manny Arango and he's just a powerful evangelist. Um, amazing guy. Um, he's become a friend of mine out of, uh, North Carolina and, um, he's an awesome dude. He, he'd said a couple things that have just been sticking with me. And one thing that he said is, uh, immature Christians ask, can I trust God? But mature Christians ask, can God trust me? And, uh, that hit me really hard. Mm, mm-hmm. And, uh, it's like, man, just been meditating on that. And like the things that I, the ways that I've been praying, the things that I've been expecting from God or the things and, I'm just so glad that he's God and I'm not, and that he is a good friend and a good father and also almighty God and all those things and a comforter and the Holy Spirit's with us because, because I need grace for even the way I approach him. (laughs) And so just the way, just that, just that point, it's like, man, can God trust me? And what does that look like? And, and, uh, and I want to be trusted by God, but it's like, man, what? And so, and so the thing that that leads me to is something else Manny said at the camp, which was, we're often asking God why he hasn't fulfilled his promises in our lives yet. Um, but instead we should be asking harder questions like, God, what is it in my life that needs to change or what do I need to grow in or mature in? So I'm prepared for this next thing. Um, and so I've just been, I mean, it hasn't been that many days since he even said all that, but I've just been asking the Lord, those questions. And I feel like I've been in a season, a season of waiting. Um, and that might shock people cause I'm being active in different, but different areas of my personal life. It's like, all right, Lord, what's that next thing? And, and instead of praying for the fulfillment of that, right. It's like, all right, God, time for this time for this time for this. It's like, okay, so Lord, what are you challenging me? Um, in to do next, what, it, what, where is the work of God meeting the work of man? You know, maybe I've been a little bit too much on the Martha side, I mean, on the Mary side, and you're asking me to be proactive and clean some dishes in my life. And I've just been feeling to bring a couple things to, to mind. And, um, man, what a, what a difficult, challenging, complicated thing to, uh, yeah, to, to wrestle with that, to acknowledge it. And, um, I, it's funny how I haven't, I didn't even think about the Mary and Martha story in this context, but what a perfect thing. Like, oh, I've, I've been a little bit merry with the wrong, with the wrong intentions, right? Like mm. waiting, almost like using excuses to wait. Mm. And so it's like, all right, where, where are those, you know, there are clearly dirty dishes in my sink and and Mary's not cleaning up. So it's time for <laughs> me to just, you know, anyways, lots mm. of metaphors there. So, so the last point, um, that I've been reflecting on, which is the title of one of the new songs that is being debuted on this tour is called best in mind. And I just have been realizing um, and encouraged by many people over the past year or two uh, that God has my best in mind. What does that mean? What does that look like? Um, I don't know that I've really believed or I don't, maybe I should say grown up believing. And I, it, I mean, I'm challenged to still, which is why we're talking about it, that he has, that God has my best in mind, like mm-hmm. leaving a church position, leaving a long-term relationship, moving halfway across the country, all these things that were like, I remember when you told our family, 
hey, the Lord is repositioning us. We don't know where we're going. We were, we, we were going to move, was what you were telling us. And I, I remember I just sat down. I think maybe this is in podcast number one, our story. But uh, the youth assistant at our youth group had literally, the day after you told us that, the, you told us on Tuesday, the next Wednesday at youth group, um, literally he's like, we just decided you're the new youth worship leader. We're going to be pouring Mm -hmm. into you all this exciting. And I was like trying not to like ball and break down in front of him Mm -hmm. because, and so I remember that and I was like, Lord, okay, I get that you have something, but how could it be better than what you've done here? It wasn't Mm -hmm. just like, how could it be better than what I've done? How can it be better than what you're doing here? Because Mm -hmm. you're doing something here. And, and, uh, that I think shows a lack of, I mean, my humanness, but a lack of really believing, okay, if God's flipping my life 180 degrees, it's because he has my best in mind. And it's almost like I can't explain it enough or emphasize it enough because I haven't been able to wrap my mind around it fully still, which is like, if God asked me to sacrifice, if God asked you to put Isaac on the altar, that just doesn't make any sense any way that you look at it. But if you just believe that God has your best in mind and you start thinking, in God terms, like God can raise the dead. God can miraculously intervene. God can do this. God can do that. God, you know, it's like, well, in that case, if God has my best in mind, then I should have no problem obeying what he's asking because he's bringing me through something. He's teaching me a lesson. And I've had a lot of amazing conversations with friends lately who have gone through a really difficult year or two, really difficult five years. And they're like, man, I made decisions that I could, I could regret all this different stuff, but God, has used every one of those things for mm. his glory and for my good. Mm. And I don't have to look back with regret or shame on those things because God has, re- you know, redeemed me using me. And I'm, I'm glad I went through those things. And it's just crazy how we might never say that in the moment, but if God has your best in mind and you're and you're walking in his leading one day at a time, one step at a time, and your goal is to walk with the Lord, then it's like, well, when he puts something in front of you, instead of doubting or overthinking or questioning, we can walk forward in confidence knowing that what he has is going to be your best. And the thing that really stuck out to me, um, part of what I've learned too is in the book, The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry, just learning about Sabbath and learning about rest and trusting the Lord with a full 24 hours a week. It's like, man, if God asks us to Sabbath, which is really challenging in the American society to do, Maybe it's because we will be so much better off with that in our lives, but we can't comprehend, well, I'll be a day behind. I'll be this. I'll be that. I won't make as much money. Well, God can provide rest. God can provide finances. God can provide all those things. And if we believe that, and then he has said, you actually will live longer. You actually will live more fulfilled. You'll have more fruitful relationships if you rest one day a week. And you don't have to, but if you do, mm-hmm. I've got your best in mind. And mm-hmm. so just trusting him with yeah. those things, which is scary to do when it's a God that you can't see or physically hear. Yeah. And um, what a what a tension to walk in. I'm having that conversation with uh, a couple of friends like, okay, how do you just live in faith in this anyways? When you, It's like, well, I've seen... Um, I've seen a lot and I've seen God move and I'm trusting him. And the more I do, the more fruitful life I have and the more fruit I'm seeing. And so just lots of, uh, again, attention to live in, um, and, and living a, a life of faith and not by sight. Um, so, yeah, that's good. Um, there's a lot of things I could, I would love to emphasize yeah, there, no, but, a uh, lot there. but, um, that, that's, that's amazing. Now you talked, uh, you, you talked about waiting. You've talked about that a couple times. Are you willing to go to a, a deeper <laughs> level of vulnerability and share maybe one or two things you're waiting on? 
Here we go. Okay. Um, I mean, I didn't bring it up, but now it's been brought up. Here we go. Yeah, I mean, I've been in a year and a half of singleness here and feeling like the Lord has been... Um, Wow, what a great tool we have this podcast to just dic- notate. I was going to say dictate, but to notate what we're going through in life. and mm, Like it's our own personal journal. I know, right. <laughs> I'll be married soon and I'll be listening back on this podcast, like the faithfulness of God. Yeah, and, and it's cool too because we were thinking about what exactly to do this podcast about. And I felt like the Lord saying, pers- you know, being personable and vulnerable is what's going to stick out to our listeners. And something that has blown me, away, I'm not just avoiding the topic, but something that's blown me away is... When you're when you're looking to encourage someone, I think this is a really helpful tool for people, including myself. When you're looking to encourage someone, sharing the reality of what you're going through and what you're learning about it tends to be what hits home with whoever you're encouraging. Mm-hmm. I was just at a wedding talking to a friend I haven't seen in a couple of years. Just start sharing about his season a little bit. Similar, but not really from my season. And I just started basically, I basically just said on this microphone verbatim what I told him. And he, I mean, he didn't get emotional, but he's like, wow, I really needed to hear that. Not at all someone I was expecting to say that. And I was like, isn't that funny how what you're going through tends to be exactly what someone else might need to hear? Because you're willing to not look perfect and be vulnerable and then share what you're learning along the way. So, so hopefully this does that for someone out there listening, even if it's one person, but, um, yeah, just been um, single for a year and a half and been praying for my future bride without face or name, which is really fun. If you're single, you should intercede daily for your spouse. Um, don't feel guilty for not doing it before, but just start doing it. And it's really fun to do. I've been just praying for like the things that I'm going through, praying those prayers over my future spouse, like mm. in these areas. What mm-hmm. does that look like in faithfulness and impurity and in protection and in passions and time with the, just like praying for over those things, protection Mm. for your Mm. spouse. And then that like has been opening up deeper levels of those things in my life because I've got this perspective of like, there's a woman out there that I'm going to marry. I don't know if I've met her yet or not. And she's going through X, Y, and Z. I don't know, but you know, I'm praying for those things. And, uh, yeah, just like just been on journey of, okay, Lord, um, you know, there's, there's encouragement and challenge challenges from, um, people on every, every aspect of the spectrum, like live in the green light mentality, unless God says, no, just go for it. Or wait till you hear the Lord say yes, and then go for Mm -hmm. it. Or, Mm -hmm. you know, what do you think about this timeline? It's like, there's so many options from family members to friends to, um, like my counselor, all this different stuff, which, which if you don't get counseling, I suggest it for every human on the planet. So it's a helpful thing. And anyways, um, so yeah, I've just been, um, I, I felt like I asked the Lord recently, um, um, just, okay, Lord, should I be living in this green light mentality or what's going on? And, and I feel like he said soon, but not yet. And so I've just been going off that word and mm-hmm. trusting the Lord and, mm-hmm. and asking, well, the biggest thing I'm doing right now is asking friends and mentors who are single and married, okay, hey, what's it look like for you to be an evangelist and live in purity? Or what's it, what was your story with, or what, you know, what are your thoughts on my season? Just kind of, and I like to get permission from people subconsciously, you know, I feel like, okay, so-and-so said I should just do this. Well, that's, that's good. Sweet. I'll just do that. But then I come home and I overthink that and, and I'm processing through it. So it's like, you know, again, 
it's so funny how daily the better off this way concept is, is meaning more and more to me. It's like, man, um, living without that overthinking. And so just really learning to live in the moment, be present, to love the person in front of you, to enjoy life. I really have been loving the book of Ecclesiastes the past two years. Um, like everything is meaningless. So love God, love people, enjoy the food in front of you, enjoy the work you get to do because, you know, he's basically saying the purpose of life is relationship. And so Mm -hmm. get the most out of every moment. And that is, that is so opposite of an overthinking anxious life. Um, (laughs) and so I've been trying to lean more in that way because I would tend to live in an overthinking mindset. So yeah, just trusting the Lord, feeling like there's a shift coming soon. Um, and just, uh, that season of waiting and instead of waiting as a victim, right? Like, all right, God, when's the time? It's like, all right, Lord, what, you know, I want to actively pray. I want to actively believe. I want to actively praise you. And what a powerful thing, whether you're dealing with a sickness or a loss or grief or a waiting, like what a powerful thing to praise, uh, just go ahead and praise the Lord. in. I mean, majorly powerful thing. And, um, I've even seen the power of prayer in a new way where, um, where I think of the power of prayer as, um, okay, I need this thing. So I'm going to pray for it to happen. And if it happens, then prayer is powerful. Well, I've begun to see it. The more time I spend praying, things are shifting in my life, my attitude, my mindset, mm-hmm. um, my desires that aren't just answers that don't feel like direct answers to prayers. It's just like the more time I've spent praying, the more, um, there's like a mind shift, a mindset shift. Like, okay, I'm, whenever I'm tempted to do this thing, I'm going to pray for all of my friends that are dealing with the same temptation. And then I find the temptation leave. And Mm. it wasn't just saying, God, take away this temptation from Mm. my heart. It Mm. was just like actively praying. And that's a really perfect Mm. example of the power of prayer, Mm. uh, which is kind of a fun revelation the Mm. Lord's been showing me. So take it for what it is. People who (laughs) mysteriously listen to this podcast. Well, hey, we've reached that point in our episode, episode number 20, where we bring on our honorary member, and he has been faithful uh, to listen through our long conversations. Look at that. It's been a long episode. We didn't think this one would be that long. But uh, Billy Bob McCall, um, welcome to the podcast. Um, my dad is had uh, to head to something else, and so I'm just going to chat with you for a little bit here, which doesn't, which is kind of a treat for me. Um, and it's just been fun talking to you every week. But hey, it's been a few weeks, so thank you for your patience. Hey, young Master Taylor, it's so great to be on with you again. So Dad had to take off a little bit, huh? He had to take off, and okay. you actually made an appearance at our retreat, our worship retreat. Oh, church, it was so good to be there with you guys in person and to see everybody. We had a good time. Yeah. We had a good time. We talked about how cold it is in Minnesota, but I won't get into that today. Mm-hmm. It's actually hot in Minnesota. I know you're on the phone here, but it is. It, I'm sweating in the studio because it's a hot. Yeah, I should say we talked about how cold. It can be yeah, Minnesota. Right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Which a lot of people just believe Minnesota is all ice and cornfields. Oh, which, not. which, which the cornfields part is more where you're from. Uh, we actually have a couple cities in Minneapolis. I don't know if you've ever been here or not. But. Well, of course I've been through. Of course I've been through. Yeah, and you know my dad, he's from the Upper Midwest, so I got a, you know I know a lot just from talking to him and stuff, but. Yeah, well, you know, so what I'm, what what I was listening to you, young Master Taylor, you know, you're talking about waiting, 
And uh, talking about, you know, waiting for the right one. Mm -hmm. Waiting for the right one. Like I'm sure many of our listeners are. Oh, I remember the days of waiting. I waited 10 years. Wow. I waited for my sweetheart. Donna Bell, Bobby Sue, Linda May McCall. That is a beautiful name. Oh, it's the most beautiful name in the world. Guess when I knew, guess when I knew she was the one. Let's see, you waited 10 years. So, man, I don't know how old you are. I would, I don't know. When did you know? Eight years old. We were in the third grade when I knew she was the one for me. When you know, you know, huh? Is that how it goes? When you know, you know. Oh, man, so you can imagine I had some waiting to do. Yeah, you definitely did. I had some, I'm like, how am I going to wait? How am I going to wait so long? So, you know, I don't know if this will work for you, but one of the ways that, that helped me wait was was by expressing myself through some poetry. Oh, really? Oh, yeah, yeah. Kind of like a, you know, like a way of journaling, but but not private journaling, you know, because I would share these with Donna Bell. So this is where you let your emotion out. Yeah, that's the way to say it. That's the way to say it. Because I wouldn't put you as the most emotional person I know, so I'm kind of interested to hear some of this. I remember, I remember, well, you think you know me, but, you know, (laughs) do we really ever know anybody? I remember one of the lines in, in, in the first poem I wrote to her in the third grade. It went like this. You're as cute as a June bug a buzzing overhead. You ain't mean like those fire ants I found in my bed. <laughs> Isn't that romantic? That is, especially for an eight-year-old, wow. Yeah. Oh, man, she loved that. I believe it. She loved that. She still has it to this day. Oh, that's cute. Oh, man. So I kept pursuing her. I kept chasing her. You know, and then my poetry it continued to grow along the way. So I was probably about, you know, junior high-ish or... Or I don't know, grade nine, maybe, when I wrote this one, when I said to her, um, you know, because, you know, I've always had a dog growing up, you know, and about this time, of course, I had my dog, in the, and, uh, and so I included him in, in, in one of the lines of this poem. It said, said, college is green, my dog's name is blue. And I'm so lucky to have a sweet thing like you. <laughs> wow. It really rhymes. <laughs> That's some good stuff. It really rolls it? off the tongue. That's some good stuff. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then it just continued. I mean, I, you know, I kept pursuing her. I kept chasing her. You know, I mean, it became a pretty common strike in our town to for her daddy to be chasing me through town with his shotgun saying, you gotta wait, boy. You gotta wait. She ain't getting married till she's at least 18. You gotta wait. Well, that's good motivation to oh, wait. Oh, man. That'll well, help you. That helped. That helped. That and the poetry. That <laughs> and the poetry. Well, you heard him say 18, and I said, you know, I knew she was the one when we were eight. Right. So there's the 10 years. So mm-hmm. guess when we got married? 
Let's see. Were you 18? Her 18th birthday. <laughs> her 18th birthday is on Wednesday. <laughs> so our anniversary and her birthday is the same day. That's romantic. Oh, man. And guess, uh, and guess you know, here, here's something that I included. You know, I had to include some poetry in the wedding vows. Right. You know, and this is one of the lines I, sh- I said to her. I said, when you hold me real tight like a padded gun rack... My life is complete. Ain't nothing I lack. <laughs> wow. Oh, that's a powerful wedding statement there. Yeah, that's <clears throat> I mean, I know I know what your guns mean to you, so that's really like a <laughs> that's a personal one. Oh yeah. We've been married so many years now. I'm just gonna wrap up here by reading a little longer one because this is what I wrote. This is what I wrote to her just on this last Valentine's wow. Day. Yep, 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 yep. So we close with this. Me and you's like a moon pie with the RC cold drink. We go together like a skunk goes with stank. <laughs> Some men, they buy chocolate for Valentine's Day. They get it at Walmart. It's romantic that way. Some men get roses at this, that special day from the cooler at Pit Stop. That's impressive, I say. Some men buy fine diamonds from a flea market booth. Diamonds are forever, they explain suave and coop. But for this man, honey, these things won't do, because you're too special, you sweet thing, you. I got you a gift without taste or odor, more useful than diamonds. It's a new trolling motor. <laughs> wow, that's a nice Valentine's gift. <laughs> a, new, a new trolling motor. A new trolling motor. Oh, she loves it. She loves it. I believe it. Yeah, and well, we love, hey, we this love is, our fishing together. You know, I had a moment of vulnerability, and I really appreciate your vulnerability sharing your romantic poems yeah, with us. Yeah, you're welcome, young Master Taylor. You you just keep waiting, doing what God tells you to do. That's and it. It's going to happen. That's right. Thanks really, Bob, for joining us. Thank hey, you. thanks for uh, thanks for joining us today, listeners. What a great episode, episode number twenty. And uh, look at that. This is just as long as an episode as our other ones. So hopefully, it's something that ministers to you and uh, you find value or encouragement on this. And we'd love. Uh, feel free to check out the links in the bio and the resources we've talked about. And uh, we will look forward to talking to you next time. For more information and available resources, head to worshipislife.org. Or you can look below this episode in the show notes and you can click on any of the links we talked about in this episode. My name is Taylor Marshall and you're listening to the Worship is Life podcast.